0: Thanks for tuning in to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Jacob Scripture, the discipleship pastor here at Rolling Hills. And we are so glad that you've joined us today as we continue our series, Finish Strong. Today you'll hear from Pastor Jason as he teaches from Joshua chapter seven and eight. Now here's Pastor Jason. Well, in the room this morning, we have two different and distinct groups of people. There are a number of categories that I could use to describe you and break you into groups. And we just elected a new president. And so some of you guys are like, hey, what is he going to do here? Is he going to put us in categories? That is not at all what I am going to do this morning. For our purposes today, I would like to propose that there are two groups of people in the room. And one group of you I would like to refer to as the early adopters. And you early adopters, you tend to be on the the leading edge of everything new. You're very excited about the iPhone 12. You understand all of the smart features of your 4K TV. You can control the temperature in your house via an app anywhere that you may be in the world. You are adept at trying new things. New features on new products do not scare you, but rather they're very exciting. That's group one. And then there's group two. And group two is also a very distinct group, and I like to call us, because I'm a part of this group, the everyday users. There is absolutely nothing wrong with being an everyday user. I am squarely in the middle of that category. And as an everyday user, it is pretty common for us to not fully appreciate or know or even desire to know about all a product can do, everything it's capable of doing. In some ways, you could say we are from the old school. We don't really need a smart TV. We just need one remote control that's universal and will control everything for us. We don't really understand Apple Pay, and we don't really need anything besides a thermostat on our wall that we can take a few steps towards and hit a few buttons to bring the temperature down a couple degrees in our home. Which of those is right? Which of those is wrong? Which of those is better? Both is the appropriate answer. And I bring this up this morning, however, because I believe that if you take a good look at your life, and especially your spiritual walk, which you are in a church setting this morning, so obviously we're going to trend to talk about that. If you look at your spiritual walk, I believe that you're going to see some of the similar principles at play. Because you see, when it comes to matters of faith and what God desires to do and how he wants to use you, it's pretty common for us to fall into those same types of groups. I'm either in group one where I'm kind of out on the front lines, and I'm believing that God can be trusted in everything, and I want to trust God maybe at a level that I have never trusted him before. If he says it, I believe it, and I want to fully grasp all of who he is. And yet some of us tend to be in category two where we tend to be a little bit more comfortable. We tend to be a little bit more in just the, no, I'm gonna be an everyday user. But see, when it comes to TV and when it comes to technology, it is a-okay to be an everyday user. It's okay to be from the old school. But when it comes to matters of faith, friends, it is not okay to just sit back. When it comes to my spiritual walk, it is not okay for me to just sit back and say, you know what, I'm comfortable, I'm going to take the easy path. I don't really want to trust God at a level that I've never trusted Him before. And yet, I believe, and I think you're going to see here in Scripture, in fact, in Joshua chapter 10, which is going to be our text for today, that when we will not live in a place of comfort, but rather live in a place of God. What do you desire to do? I want to be on the front lines. I want to be an early adopter to what it is that you're trying to teach me. I don't want to have to be drug along to experience your goodness, but I want to be out there leading the way, hand in hand with what you're doing, allowing you to set the pace and to set the agenda. And I believe that when we do that, we experience the fullness and the richness of life that God is desiring for us that Jesus, in fact, set us apart to live. So I'm gonna ask you to join me in praying today for God to show us how he wants to use us and how he wants us to finish strong, how he wants us to adopt his plans and his purposes that he has created us to do and trust that he will give us the wisdom to be able to follow suit with what it is that he's asking us to do as we seek to not be comfortable in our faith, to not just sit back and consume, but rather to say to trust and to believe that he is the one that is leading and guiding. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this beautiful morning of life. Thank you for the beautiful sunshine. Thank you that you have given each and every one of us a call, and I pray that we would serve to the best of our ability this call that you have placed in front of us. I'm so grateful for who you are. I thank you for each and every person in this room today. I thank you for those that will listen to this sermon at some point this week. I thank you for those who are worshiping online right now, and I pray, God, that you would give each and every one of us a vision and give even every one of us wisdom to not just sit back, but to push and to trust and to believe that you are here and that you are working in the midst of each and every season that we go through. Give us courage and give us wisdom today from your word as we seek to be faithful for you. And it's in the powerful name of Christ that we pray and ask all of these things, amen and amen. Now, in the book of Joshua, which is what we've been studying over this past series called Finish Strong, you see this group of people referred to as the Israelites. The Israelites are really the group of people that are profiled in the book of Joshua. And what has happened is the Israelites have been enslaved in Egypt, and Moses was a leader who was raised up to deliver them from slavery to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And his apprentice is this leader named Joshua. And Joshua takes over the leadership helm and begins moving the Israelites further and further towards the promised land. And Joshua is a young leader. Joshua is also a really wise leader. And Joshua is a a leader who is trusting God, and he is leading the Israelites into these really miraculous things, such as the parting of the Jordan River, so that the, the Israelites walked through on dry land. You also see that Joshua Led them victoriously in battle against this mount monstrosity of a city, Jericho. And I told you this last week. But what were their weapons of choice? The weapons of choice that God gave them was trumpets and shouting, because He wanted them to know that He was the one that was going to get all the glory. He was the one that was going to get all the fame. But last week we saw a little bit of a snapshot where Joshua became a not an early adopter, but where Joshua just kind of came a consumer for a little bit. He started to rest on his own laurels a little bit. And what happened in the first battle against the city of Ai, they were defeated because the people of Israel chose to take the devoted things of God, the things that God said, no, this, this is for my plans, my purposes. You are not to touch these things. And the guy named Achan held them in his own captivity, and the Israelites were not successful in the battle of Ai. But Joshua, being a good leader, he circles the troops and he says, We can do better. And Achan is no more, but we can do better. And they lead the people, Joshua leads the people to successfully battle I again and they were victorious because he put God back in the first place and victory happened in the Israelites again. Now you may recall Joshua chapter 3 verse 5. It has been the text that we have used as kind of our key verse for this Finish Strong series and you see it up here on the screen. But Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And this is really the kind of the key verse that Joshua is using and this is something that he tells to the Israelites immediately before they were walking into the Jordan River. He walks through this group of one million plus strong people, and he says, consecrate yourself, set yourselves apart, for tomorrow the Lord is going to do an amazing thing among you. And that is exactly what God did. He showed them an amazing thing. He parted the Jordan River so that they could walk through on dry land. So see, Joshua has been reminded time and time and time again that God wants to do amazing things in the midst of the Israelites. Not everyday user kinds of things, but moments to be out in the front seeing what God is going to do. And then we get to chapter 9. And something interesting happens in chapter 9. The Israelites make this peace treaty in chapter 9. I'm going to give you a real quick overview of what happens in chapter 9. They make this peace treaty with this group of people known as the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites are actually neighbors of the Israelites But they see what's happening to Jericho. They see what happens to the city of Ai. And so they say, we don't want to try to fight the Israelites. We are afraid of what's going to happen. So let's make up a story and let's go to try to deceive the Israelites and tell them we are from a faraway land. Look how worn our shoes are. Look how stale our food is. Please have mercy on us as the Gibeonites because we have heard of the fame of the Lord God of Israel. And so they come and they make up this story. And Joshua and the Israelites believe their story, and they make an oath back to them that says, we will not go into battle with you. We will protect you. Three days later, they find out that the Gibeonites have deceived them. But oaths were really long-standing, legal-binding oaths. And so the Israelites decide not to go back on their word, and they say, okay, we will not destroy you. We will not destroy you. Even though you're an evil city, we're not going to—you're you're with us now, and we're going to protect you. And if you go over into chapter 10, the first couple verses of chapter 10, you're going to see that there is this other group of evil people named the Amorites. And the Amorite kings hear about what's happened with the Gibeonites, that they have made this peace treaty with the Israelites, and that does not bode well for the five kings of the Amorites. And so they say, let's go destroy the Gibeonites. You guys hear these stories and you're thinking, this is like a movie. This is like, I mean, this is right here in God's word when people stand in The way of what God is desiring to do, God's purposes always prevail. And so the Amorites say, let's go and seek to defeat the Gibeonites. But yet the Gibeonites had made a peace treaty with the Israelites. And so Joshua and the Israelites are going to protect the Gibeonites. And so that's where we go in verse 5 of chapter 10. So the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon, they joined forces and they moved up with all their troops and they took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. And the Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, do not abandon your servants, come up to us quickly and save us, help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. And after an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. See, Joshua had a few moments where he took matters into his own hands, didn't he? One of them being the battle of Ai. But all in all, there was a really deep faith, and there was a deep sense of courage in Joshua's life into who God was and what God was going to do. And there was this abiding sense of courage and faith that God had instilled in Joshua. In fact, one of the key verses that you may be familiar with is in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, probably the most well-known verse in the entire book of Joshua. And this is where God is speaking to Joshua. And he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This comes at the very beginning of Joshua's commissioning. When he is a young leader who has been appointed to take over the helm of Moses, God speaks to him and says, Have I not commanded you, Joshua, be strong and be courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The Lord your God is going to be with you wherever you go. I am fighting that battle. I am parting the Jordan. I am trusting. If you will trust in me, you will be victorious in the adversaries in your life. And I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of that truth of Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 this morning. Hear those words. Those are words not just from God to Joshua. Those are words from God to you today. God's saying, have I not commanded you? Now, command is a pretty strong word. God is not saying, have I not suggested to you? He's saying, have I not commanded you? Have I not made this as clear as anything? I want you to be strong. I want you to be courageous because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, which leads me to my first point today. You see it there on your notes. When God speaks, Never doubt if you can trust him. When God speaks, never doubt if you can trust him. Let me repeat that for you again. When God speaks, never doubt if you can trust him. Look back at verses 7 and 8. Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. When God speaks, never doubt if you can trust him. See, God had already told Joshua to be strong and courageous. God had already told Joshua, you don't have to be held captive by a fear-based agenda anymore. God has told you and I those same words. And I don't know about you, but I'm amazed at the number of times in my life that I doubt what God has already made clear. I'm amazed at the times in my life when I begin to allow seeds of doubt to be sown In my life when God has already made it abundantly clear that I can trust him in these areas. I don't know about you guys, but do you ever have like really weird, strange, reoccurring dreams? I have this weird, strange, reoccurring dream every so often, and it involves education. And I did my undergraduate degree from Moorhead State University in Moorhead, Kentucky. I have a master's degree from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary in New Orleans, Louisiana. And both of those institutions granted me a diploma printed with my name on it with my degree. I walked through both of those graduation ceremonies. But on every, every so often, I will wake up in the middle of the night with this strange, crazy dream that there is some assignment that is hanging out there in the balance that these institutions are waiting on me to turn in so that I can get a degree. And sometimes the dream will be so strong that I'll just begin to think to myself, did I actually graduate? Are they still waiting on one paper for me to turn in so that they can issue me that degree? And then I'll look up and realize that, no, the diploma is there. It's not got an asterisk. They have already conferred that degree upon me. And when I think about the scripture, see this word is filled from start to finish with truth that we don't have to doubt anymore. We don't have to wonder, can God really be trusted in this? Was I really given that degree or was that just some fictitious made-up story? No, this word is filled from start to finish with truth. That God is saying, you don't have to fear anymore. You don't have to be discouraged anymore. You can take great faith in these words. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Maybe you need to hear this passage of Scripture today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. How about this one? Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How about this one? Psalm 27:1. the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What are these truths about? These truths are saying that if I trust in God more than myself, he's going to make my path straight. That I don't have to worry about tomorrow, that I don't have to be riddled with anxiety, but that in everything I can turn all that back to him. And through prayer and petitions, the peace of God that transcends all understanding guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Psalm 27 verse 1 says, When the Lord is my light, when the Lord is my salvation, there is nothing that I have to fear because the Lord is the stronghold of my life. So see, when God says, I don't have to fear, I can trust him in that. When God says, I don't have to be anxious, I can trust him in that. When God said to Joshua, you don't have to be afraid of the adversary, God meant it. And when God says to us today, you can be victorious over the battles in your life, know that God means it. But I sometimes live in a manner where I know that the words are true. I know that they're true. I never question that. I never question that every word in here from start to finish is true, but I'll be the first to admit that I haven't always allowed these truths to take root into my life. And see, that's what God is desiring for us this morning. You see this here in your notes. But when I see how faithful God was yesterday, I don't have to worry about tomorrow. When I see how faithful God was yesterday, I don't have to worry about tomorrow. When Joshua saw how God faithful was in parting the Jordan in the defeat of Jericho, he didn't have to worry about tomorrow. It's why the writer of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, this is such amazing truth. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus who fed 5,000 people plus with a little boy's lunch is the one who wants to be in a relationship with you right now and who wants to provide for you in every area of your life. The same Jesus who died on the cross 2,000 years ago, he died for your sins, past, present, and future, for all humanity, past, present, and future. And when I see just how faithful he has been, I don't have to worry about what is to come. When I see how faithful he has been in every area of my life, I don't have to wonder, can I trust him in this next season? When I see how faithful he has been, when I trust him with my most valuable resources, I don't have to wonder, should I trust him with my most valuable resources the next time around? I'm excited about what is happening in the life of our church right now. We are on this really incredible journey as a church, and I'm excited about the people that we're going to reach. I'm excited about a new tool that God is going to make a way for us to experience here at our campus with a campus expansion. And many of you guys were here last week and you get to celebrate the ceremonial groundbreaking. We've, we've officially hung up the uh, campus expansion um, drawings back here so that you can look at them at your leisure. But I'm going to be the first to tell you guys that in my human strength, this scares me a little bit. In my human strength, It scares me just a little bit. Maybe you guys weren't wanting honesty this morning, but you're going to get it. Maybe you would wish that your pastor would be a little more um, just Pollyanna and just tell you exactly what you want to hear, that life is always looks like coming up roses and it's everything's always peachy and there's never any concerns or never any stress or never any worry. But see, we're seeking to expand a campus in the midst of a global pandemic. And there's many of you guys who have already committed to invest in For the Kingdom. Two years ago almost to the day, you made an investment, and we are so grateful for that. And that investment has already begun to reap dividends of eternal significance. But we're also asking you to finish strong and to keep those commitments. And then there's some of us that really haven't taken that step of faith yet. And it's because we're new to Rolling Hills or maybe we were not at a season then that we are now. And if that's your category that you're in, we're asking you today to pray through what that next step would be. And in fact, next Sunday, November the 15th. We're going to ask you to finish strong that three-year commitment or to make a one-year commitment to help us finish strong so that we can take these steps that God is asking us to take. Now, is that scary? Absolutely. Does that make me a little bit nervous? I'm human. So, of course it does. But let me tell you what I have seen happen when God's people are faithful. Let me tell you what I have seen happen in the yesterday when God's people were faithful, which shows me that he can be trusted today. I remember it so well. It was back in the middle of 2006, 2007, in the earliest days of Rolling Hills Community Church. And some of you in the room were here as a part of this. We were meeting in the theater in Cool Springs. Cool Springs, uh, the Cool Springs around the Galleria area, the Cool Springs Theater there. And we were meeting, and we were taking a step of faith to trust God. We believed that God was moving us out of the theater and that we were going to have our first permanent campus there in the Franklin area. And at that point in time, the median age of the church was 27. We were made up of predominantly young adults and college students, not a ton of families. And on this one particular day, we launched out on our first initiative that was called Wildest Dreams. And it was an opportunity for us to trust God in a way that we never had trusted Him before, to make a gift, to make pledges in and above the giving that was already happening. And we trusted God in that, and I will never forget that day. People brought their offerings forward, and the next day, our accountant calls us, and she says, you guys are never going to guess what's happened, but this church, median age 27, predominantly made up of college students and young adults, brought a million dollars And I remember our response was, I think you got a zero wrong. Go back. Can you go back and check the Excel spreadsheet? Because a zero had to be added inadvertently. She said no. And I still to this day don't know how that physically happened. But yet that was exactly what we needed to start the project. And praise God, since 2007 on, the work that has happened is nothing short of his miraculous work. I remember in 2008, I was humbled to be a part of some of our initial discussions about the dreaming of an organization that would since become known as Justice and Mercy International. And we began discussing what would it be like for us to take a step of faith to start a nonprofit organization that would seek to impact not only what's happening here in the United States, but across the globe. And I remember those discussions so, so well. Who would have thought, fast forward now to the year 2020, who would have thought in the year 2020 that that same organization that was dreamed about 12 years previous In an office complex in Brentwood, Tennessee, would be poised to be the primary distributor of food and medical equipment in the entire northern region of the country of Brazil during the global pandemic, COVID-19. So much so that the government of Brazil is looking at Justice and Mercy International. The little organization that we dreamed about back in an office complex in 2008 in Brentwood, Tennessee, the government of Brazil is now turning to this Jesus-focused organization and giving us free reign to work and distribute not only food, but medical equipment, but the message of the gospel all along the entire country of Brazil. I think back to 2012 when God placed up on the heart of 10 people here at Rolling Hills Community Church, to start a Bible study group, to begin the process of exploring what would it mean to potentially expand our work into a new part of town, to begin exploring a new campus. And the chapter of the Bible that we used in our first meeting was Joshua chapter 10. And we'll get back to that in just a second as to why that's significant. But through that process of meeting in two elementary schools and merging with another church, we are at this next season in the life of the church. And I tell you all those stories because why God has been faithful every step of the way, I do not expect him to stop being faithful right now. God has been faithful at every juncture in your life. I hope and pray that you are not expecting him to stop being faithful anytime soon. Don't take matters into your own hands individually and as a church. Let's not take matters into our own hands, but rather let's trust him. Now look what Joshua does back in verse 9. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise, and the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. And Israel pursued them from along the road, going up to Beth horon and cut them down all the way to Azekiah and Maccedai. And as they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth horon to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. And on that day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel. Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, Sun stands still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajaon, so the sun stood still and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar. So the sun stopped in the middle of the sky. And delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. And then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. How cool is this? Joshua is pursuing the Amorites, and the Lord throws the Amorites into confusion, and this huge hailstorm comes that actually ends up destroying more of the Amorites than were even destroyed in battle. But the battle was not finished yet, but Joshua knew that something was coming. Eventually, darkness was going to come upon the land and in the entire presence of the army Joshua says God please hold the sun in the air and do not let the darkness come into the land until we finish this task and that sun stopped in the middle of the sky for a full day and what does verse 14 say verse 14 says surely the Lord was fighting for Israel in the midst of the adversities, in the midst of the unknowns, in the midst of how to respond to what's happening, not only here, but I hope that you write yourself into the story in the midst of how to respond in the midst of everything that's going on in our world, God heard the prayer of his faithful servant, and he responded. God hears the prayers of you as a faithful servant, and he responds. And the nature of Joshua's prayer shows us something so incredible about his faith, which leads me to ask you a question. What do your prayers indicate about your faith? What do your prayers indicate about your faith? Honestly, sometimes I think our prayers are so benign. We tend to reserve our prayers for things like traveling mercies. Or I ask God to bless a plate of deep fried food that I'm about to ingest. And that's the content of my prayer. But see, God wants to move. We just need to ask Him. It's why Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Scripture tells us there was never a day like this before. And I think that this is included here in Joshua chapter 10 because God wants to show us what He is capable of if we really believe Him. He wants to show us what we're capable of if we really place our faith in Him. And you see this there in the notes, but bold prayers lead to bold results. Benign prayers often lead to benign results. Faithless prayers often lead to small results. Bold prayers lead to bold results. And I think this is about as bold as it gets right here. God, make the sun stand still in the sky so that we can finish this task that you have placed in front of us. And the Lord listened. And he wanted all of Israel to know that he was the one fighting the battle. He was the one receiving glory. And that's precisely my prayer for us as the church, Rolling Hills Community Church today, that we would fight the battle so much so that God receives the glory and that the world would not be able to help but stop and take note of what he is doing here in this place and that they'd be attracted to the love that is present in this place. It's what he wants us to do as the church. And so I'm going to ask each and every one of us to pray bold prayers, and I'm praying those bold prayers myself. And a few of those bold prayers that I'm asking you to pray is that above all God would be, glorified, that he would use every circumstance in your life to bring him honor and glory. I hope that you'll be praying a bold prayer that God will meet all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus as a promise in his scripture, and that God would show us his provision. Most importantly, though, I pray for the impact that's going to be made because of the faith of the church. We live in a divided world right now where hope is needed more than ever, and I am not um, pinning the hope of the world on any human institution. And you shouldn't be either. The hope of the world is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and we have that relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning as a professing follower of Christ, and what Scripture tells us is that the world knows who Jesus is because of the love that we have for one another, because of the unity that we have for one another, so that the work is cut out for us. I believe that that's why we're here. We live in a world right now where kids and teenagers are bombarded with messages. Messages that are not true, their anxiety is at an all-time high. That's why I'm so passionate about what's happening on the other side of that wall right now. That's why I'm so passionate about what's going to happen in a new campus expansion where there's more space and more area for preschoolers and teenagers and kids to be engaged with the message of the gospel. It does my heart so good to hear my kids walking around the house saying aloud verses or singing under their breath, Jesus loves me so. He loves me so. And I think to myself, that's what the world needs right now. The next generation needs to be reminded that Jesus loves them so and that he has an incredible plan for their life. We've seen here at our Nolansville campus professing atheists coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And when confronted now with a decision about next steps in their life, instead of mocking God, they're now asking God for wisdom. That's why the church is here. That's why this is so important. Here at our campus, I have been made aware over the past few years of instances where people were told by a doctor, you are not going to live, and they started praying bold prayers, and they're here. That's why we exist. About a year ago, this prayer request was dropped into an offering basket, and I shared it in a sermon, I think probably six months ago, eight months ago, sometime around that, but it's so moving because this request was dropped into a basket here at our Nolensville campus, and I keep it either in my Bible or on my desk at the office so that I can look at it every day. And it's an anonymous request, and it simply says, I pray to be thankful for the life I was given rather than wanting to end it. I pray to be thankful for the life I was given rather than wanting to end it. And I pray for this person, whoever it is, because someone was here in our midst that said, God, show me a reason to not end my life. And I know that this is not an isolated card. I know that those struggles are so real. That's why we exist. And to see that kind of change happen, you can't choose everyday faith. you got to be out on the front lines leading with boldness. And I'm asking each and every one of us to step into that realm. Look at this as we wrap up today, verse 16. Joshua had already been promised that the battle was won. But the five kings fled, in verse 16, and they hid in the cave at Makedah. And when Joshua was told that the five kings had been found hiding in the cave at Makedah, he said, roll large rocks up to the mouth of the cave and post some men there to guard it. But don't stop. Pursue your enemies. Attack them from the rear and don't let them reach their cities. For the Lord your God has given them into your hand. I love this because, see, God had already delivered the Ammonites into the hand of the Israelites, but Joshua didn't say take the day off. The battle already belonged to God. But what jo- did Joshua say? Joshua said, pursue. Don't retreat. Don't take the easy path. Keep moving forward. Joshua said, don't stop. And you see this here as we close today. God invites you into the work he's already doing. How awesome is that? God invites you into the work he is already doing. Does God need you to be his worker? No. No. Does God need your 12-month commitment to see miraculous things happen? No. He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. Does God need anything that you can bring? No. He doesn't need any of those things that we bring because there is absolutely no deficiency in him. There's not an economic deficiency when it comes to God. There's not a talent deficiency when it comes to God. There's not a miraculous power deficiency when it comes to God. He is sovereign. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He holds everything together. But what does he do? He invites you into the work. He doesn't say retreat. Even though I have defeated the enemy, he says, I want you to go and I want you to be on mission. He invites us into the work. Why? Because we are his plan A. We are his plan A to go and be agents of change in this world. Now, remember when I said at the top of the sermon, there's two groups of people. One of us that tend to just kind of be easy, every, everyday users. And the rest of us who are kind of out there on the front lines. I'm going to ask each and every one of you today to move out of the comfortable category. To move out of the comfortable category and to step into faith and join God in what he is doing. Because see, God is inviting us into the work today. God is inviting us into the work today, and I pray in this season that not only would you join him, but that you would say, I can't help but join him. I can't help but join him and be a part of what he's doing, because I want him to receive the praise. I want him to receive the glory, and I want the name of Christ to be proclaimed so boldly and so passionately here in Nolensville, Tennessee, that we will see him do a more than we could ever ask or ever imagine. He's inviting you into the work. I hope that you will respond. To what he's giving you as an invitation today lord thank you for meeting us in this place thank you for your love thank you for your care thank you for your compassion thank you for your mercy thank you for your goodness because you are so good to us you love us you care for us you protect us you remind us that you are faithful you remind us that you are good and i pray that in this moment of response and i pray that in this moment of just continued worship, that we would trust you, that we would lean into you, and that in this season of ministry that we are embarking upon, God, that we would trust you more than ourselves, and that you would give us the faith to realize that the invitation that you give us is an invitation to be a part of things that are eternally significant. So help us to do that today. And it's in the powerful name of Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to learn more about what's going on here and the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and stay up to date on everything that's happening and ways for you to connect. Thanks for listening. We are thankful for you.